0: I think it's all meat and um, we should uh, be mature enough to to eat it and digest it. Um, The church, many people don't like to talk about doctrine. I sort of jestingly said that the two two most hated words perhaps or repugnant words in, in the Bible are probably hell and the second one is doctrine. Why? Because many people think that doctrine divides. Well, it does. But that's not God's fault. That's our fault. Uh, it's saying that God's truth will divide Christians it just doesn't make sense, it's irrational Uh, the doctrine of God is uh, first of all uh, it says the church, we as the the, the building of God are built upon the apostles the prophets and Jesus Christ himself being the chief cornerstone and and the cornerstone is the one that gives you the three dimensional uh, orientation for the building right the left right and they are. And uh, it's the building where God resides in. So it's, it's a very crucial, precious building, and we are the precious living stones in that building. The doctrine is entrusted to the church. Yes, Christ entrusted us with proper teaching, accurate teaching. And 1 uh, uh, Timothy 3.15 says, it's the pillar and the ground of truth. The pillars are meant to hold up the roof. Uh, the, 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 the ground or the foundation is meant to hold up the pillars. We as a church are responsible for holding up the truth. All scripture is given by the inspiration of God and is profitable. Doctrine is like the skeleton of the body. Doctrine is like the, the foundation upon which the church is built. How do we recognize false doctrine? You know, it's, it's, it's difficult to try to teach someone discernment. I feel that way. Um, and we'll get to that in a minute. But the way to recognize uh, false doctrine is, was a testimony by this young man who went church hopping. Was, he gave that very testimony of knowing what good money is all about. You'll know what the counterfeit money is. Just by feeling and using it, and, and using it, and using it, you'll recognize it, knowing the true doctrine. Keep doing God's word, exercising it. Jesus says, if any man will do his will, he will know if the doctrine is, is of God or whether he speaks of himself and you'll know whether the doctrine is of God or whether a person is speaking on his own behalf. Um, uh, Hebrews 5.14 says that we should exercise our senses in order to to understand, discern between good and evil. If you don't practice it, you won't recognize it. You won't understand really what God's Word is trying to say. Discernment, as I mentioned earlier, means really to, to take apart to remove the trees so you can see the forest or the vice versa right to to remove the the, the smoke screen so you see clearly what 's behind what is being said or done uh, it is also a gift and this is why there are these many uh, protective measures in the church it is a gift some have a greater portion uh, a greater a portion of discernment some have a double portion of discernment. And therefore, it's very, dis- it's very dangerous to say, well, to a new Christian, well, he's born again. He has the Holy Spirit. He can do whatever he wants. He can do- read whatever he wants. He can go wherever he wants because he has the Holy Spirit. Not everyone has that gift, that double portion or triple portion or whatever that can really discern. And that's why we have many fathers in the church, as the Apostle Paul says. Why do we preach doctrine? Because it's relevant. Our faith is built on it. Secondly, it gives us answers to life's questions. Who is God? Why are we here? What's our purpose? Um, if we want to, to, to preach the gospel to others, we must understand accurately what Christ is teaching us in order to impart the knowledge and the understanding to others. It's profitable. It's beneficial for us. What we believe is what we will ultimately do. That is something that is... is, is um, we all understand because that's how we live our lives. Uh, it doesn't determine what we do. It doesn't make us do what we do, but it informs us what we should do. It, prepar- it prepares us to serve others, and I've got scripture references for that, Ephesians four eleven to 12. And it also protects us from falsehoods which undermine our faith and lead to destructive behavior. There were examples in the New Testament church when the Apostle Paul warned uh, of the the believers of certain individuals that were out there teaching false doctrine to others and causing their faith to be shaken. It unifies us. Doctrine shouldn't divide us, but it should unify us in in a common stand to, to keep the health of the church and maintain its integrity. Um, Scripture commands us to separate from false teachers. How can we talk together, walk together, live together, harmonize if we don't agree? There is not in the Bible uh, a a table of contents that says, if you want to see the doctrine of the Trinity, go to page so-and-so. Or if you want to see the doctrine of of the rapture, go to page so-and-so. But if you carefully read your Bible, you will see throughout the Bible threads. And one thread is that, the thread of the teaching of separation. We've talked about that already. It speaks about holy versus unholy. It speaks about clean versus unclean. It speaks about truth uh, versus error. God divides and makes a clear distinction because God is truth and he doesn't want to be compromised. Secondly, we separate, as mentioned, from bad unto good. We've got to fill that void. If we don't, we'll go back to the bad. Uh, We're supposed to separate from false teachers. Many scriptures that that preach about that. Uh, We don't separate for the wrong reasons. And unfortunately there's been a recoil because there's been separations because of ego because of stubbornness because of power struggles because of all the wrong reasons so personal preference is not the reason that we should now stop separating we call a spade a spade if it's wrong it's wrong if it's a wrong separation we shouldn't do it three scriptures avoid them rebuke them do not entertain them very clear False teachers, dealing with false teachers. There's a question. It comes to you, it comes to me. You get someone who comes to the door. They want to teach you about Jesus Christ. They want to teach you about the new earth. They want to teach you about all their uh, this new book they have that you should read, the Watchtower, whatever it is. Mormons. How do you deal with them? The Bible says, if you would have gone to the pre- previous slide, if someone comes to your door, do not bid them God speed do not even welcome them into your house. And the experience that I've had is that I have entertained uh, false teaching to a degree, to a point where I realize that this person doesn't want to learn, he wants to teach. He's not there to buy your wares, he's there to sell his wares. And the scripture is very clear, there's a point where you have to cut that off. And I I will discuss that a bit more uh, later on. There's also um, a, a popular trend to say, well, there's essential doctrines and non-essential doctrines. There's doctrines according to salvation, and there's got doctrines according to church order. Well, the Scripture doesn't speak about essential doctrines. You won't see in the table of contents for essential doctrines go to this page, and for non-essential go to that chapter. It, you won't see that. We have been given the entire counsel of God, with which to uh, live our lives by. Yes, some doctrines have greater significance, some perhaps have more importance or weight, but that doesn't mean we exclude or reject peripheral quote-unquote or non-essential teachings. Here's a quote from uh, perhaps some well-known evangelical writers who state this, we are not concerned about peripheral beliefs, but with the fundamental issues of the nature of God and his movement to save fallen mankind. Our position is that which all the churches, Catholic, Orthodox and Protestant, including denominational churches, have regarded as truth. Now this, is, this sounds on the surface maybe um, very noble, but what he's really saying is, we're not interested in anything else but salvation. But we've taken, what he's really saying is, we're taking away the safeguards that will even corrupt those core doctrines. As was mentioned earlier, that 8% of evangelical Christians believe in some of the 8 to 10 fundamental doctrines today. There's no such thing in the Bible, in the words of Christ, as non essential teachings. So, tolerance, again, tolerance to the, the voices from the world, from the pop culture, from nominal Christianity has, uh, if you will, given the opportunity once again, even within our own churches, to wash us out if we're not careful on this topic of uh, separation from false doctrine. Uh, we've seen that slide again reinforcing once again, to bring you back, where nominal Christianity has come in terms of understanding of doctrine I want to talk about a little bit about how false doctrine comes in we talked about the world secular humanists motivational speakers speaking things that sound good that are lovey-dovey but they leave Christ out I had a, a very dear sister come up to me not long ago and said, you know, she watched the video or read a book, read a book it was and it was very good but he didn't mention Christ at all or God. And so we have to be careful. Is it teaching that there's a God within you, that you could become better by perfecting yourself? Secondly, uh, reading other material. First of all, I want to be the first one to admit that, yes, I do read other material. I don't want to say that, obviously, to, to even to generate this presentation, we, haven't, we can't say that we haven't read other material. The point is that I want you to be very well aware of. First of all, reference books. They're not all doctrinary neutral. You can get reference books or books written by many different pastors and preachers, but they're coming from their viewpoint. And so they're giving you their spin on the Bible. Second of all, even Bible dictionaries. Bible dictionaries are composed and compiled by all kinds of writers from everywhere, and so when you come to a section on such and such a topic, they're going to give you their spin. Don't take everything for quote unquote gospel. It's not doctrinally neutral. This is where we have to be discerning. Number two, uh, number three, it may be true what they're saying, but that's all they say. The JWs, for example, if they come to your door and they came to my door, all they told me about was heaven on earth, heaven on earth, heaven on earth. I said, how do you get there? And that's something we have to be very careful about when we focus inordinately on one particular passage of Scripture. That usually ends up to be a cult. And it tends to squeeze out pure Bible reading. I'm going to ask you a question quickly. you You can close your eyes. How many spend more than 10 minutes a day reading the Bible here? Half an hour. How many spend time reading a book, maybe 15 minutes a day? Okay. I expect some of these answers, and and I'm sure there's embarrassment. But you know what? I've got a confession to make. When I start reading other material, I often read more in that material than I do the Bible. What does that say? I've lost my reference point. And when people start looking at other books and start reading these other books, that's all they read, and they've lost their reference point. What they read makes sense, and this is the experience we've had in Toronto. What It just seems to make sense, it, 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 but it's all disjointed. And so we squeeze out the reference, we squeeze out... The, 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 the base of our understanding and we start reading other men's ideas. Be careful. Next. Other ways in which false doctrine can creep in. Christian radio. Lots of good speakers on there, but it's all packaged. Not all. I can't say I don't want to be judgmental. There's a lot that's packaged. There may be 90% truth, 10% error. Same thing with TV evangelists. Door-to-door evangelists. We've already heard, you know, what the dangers involved there. Friends that have been infected, passing it on to other friends. Big problem in, 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 the, in the Ontario area. Family, another problem. Emotional attachment. You don't want to leave your brother or sister uh, by themselves. You want to support them. And you, it makes sense. I'll, I'll somehow support you in, in what you believe. Mingling with other churches. That is why our church, in, in the wisdom that God has given it, has taken a stand on this issue of mingling with other churches powerful chat rooms on the internet, mass email distributions, video, audio literature. Remember, just as this tool can be a tool for the good, it can be a tool of, of mass destruction. You can, get, you can get emails and references to websites, which has happened, just floating into your computer and because it's there, click on it and now you can go through umpteen rooms of displays and teachings and they all make sense. And there's so much of it. It seems so convincing. You're overwhelmed. It's like a gush of hot air that comes out to you and you're just overwhelmed. Don't be fooled. There's a lot of, of doctrines of demons on that internet. It can give you the impression that these authors really know what they're talking about. Influence from people perhaps is more dangerous than, interact with, than, than the media. And the reason is, is because... Many times the media cannot talk back to you. But if you're sitting with somebody that's already convinced and you want to back out, he's going to take you back in again. and Say, no, 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 no. And he's going to start pounding you and pounding you until you are really worked down and and your resistance is low. And then you say, yeah, I can accept that. And it's happened. And that's why I'm saying it. It's not that I'm beating the air here. Um, Beware of Packaging. As I said, maybe 80% is true, but 20% could be wrong and they could have tremendous and catastrophic effects on you. It's not only that um, it's one man and it brings in an individual teaching. The experiences that we've had is that one man brought in a, a, a whole a, 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 a slew of teachings. Can we just look at them? Universalism. All will be saved in the end. There's no such, such thing as Hell. Water baptism is not necessary. There's no such thing as a trinity. Jesus was not God in the flesh. There is more than one gospel. All this came from one person. Be careful. Rhetoric. This, this young man that went church hopping, he saw that there was a pro- uh, professional presentation, very polished, there was intimidation there, that you, the peer pressure that you were undergoing at the time because everybody else was watching made you fall into line and made you agree and act that you, something was going on with you, that you were being moved by the Spirit. There's intimidation and sarcasm. If you don't go along with them, they're going to make fun of you. They're going to make you think that you're the odd one out and you, something's wrong with you. They're going to accuse you of, of uh, mistreating the Word of God. There's philosophy, intellectual allegory. Let's just move it on for the sake of time. Theatrics, uh, moving loud music, charged atmosphere, fixed seating and worship format in other churches, uh, miracles of healing and tongues, quote unquote. And I don't want to go through some of the the real things that I have got firsthand from people that have been there. What is it saying? You know, when we first came out, when I first became a Christian, I sort of had the impression that only the ACC was the same. And perhaps many of us have that impression because of perhaps some of the ways in which you've been taught or the impressions by what was emphasized in your church. And because of that, that's an unthinking position to say, we're the only ones saved. And because of that position, and as we grow, we see and say, hang on a sec, I do have friends that are really good Christians, that they do really love the Lord and they do have a good testimony. Why should I doubt that they're saved? And so we go to the other extreme and say, well, I believe everyone else is saved. And I'm free to worship and fellowship with who I want. And I go to the opposite extreme with, again, indiscriminate association with those that are called Christians. It is also an unthinking position. I don't have to think about it. Just do whatever you feel. Be happy. That's not what God has called us for. God has called us for to be discerning. And I don't have to repeat the the, the principles in in which we should uh, be doing that. Actually, I do have to repeat it because here, the next slide. Let's just go and summarize then the principles of discernment. Number one, is it weakening our commitment or accountability to our local fellowships? Number two, is it reducing our separation from worldly practices? Number three, is it God's priority for us? Number four, is it against our consciences? Number five, is it against the guidelines and the stand given by our our church authority? And number six, is it bringing any of our doctrinal understanding into question? If it does, take a second look. Think about it again. And then go through accountability to your brothers and sisters in the church to see where do I stand. Okay. Uh, I believe the time is up. Is that the last slide? Um, pardon? Yeah, conclusion after exercise. Right. Okay, so what we're going to do now is like we did last year with the Learn to Discern forum uh, on entertainment media, uh, we had a little quiz, a little exercise for the teens and for the adults because it was very helpful in thinking through. Knowing these principles here, we're going to ask a question. You are attending a college in a remote city for a few years. There is no ACC church there, but there is a Baptist church down the road. What should you do on Sunday morning? Stay home, worship with the personal devotions to God, or look for a place such as this Baptist church to worship in? Questions, comments, suggestions? What would you do? This is a real thing. Brother Bobby. Find another school. Brother Bobby said find another school. Can you expand on that? <laughs> I said, find another school because there's a great danger in staying home by yourself. School is, an o- is typically optional. Most of us like to think that uh, we just have to have this degree. We have to get where we want to go. And the truth is, the scripture says, forsake not the assembling of yourselves together with believers. And that has to come first before our career. Thank you, Brother Bobby. Any more qu- comments? I can say from the standpoint of someone who is in this situation, get to your home church as often as you can if you're in that situation. In my case, staying home or or being by myself was actually a relief when you're in that other conference maybe and going to your home church was just like going to the Baptist church. You know, I, I went to church one Sunday morning when I was in college and and in in an AC church that I was raised in, and there was a minister from the Assembly of God church someplace out west that took the pulpit. Any other comments? We don't have a lot of time. That's why I want to limit them. Brother Gary? Was it Roger, sorry. My experience was uh, in and being out west uh, for a couple semesters that I, I did a four-hour drive to visit a church on the weekend, and then a four-hour drive on Sunday evening was a great uh, time in my life. Thank you, Brother Roger. Uh, Aaron. Yeah, I think it really is a, a difficult question, and um, it also depends on the person. I mean, for, m- for myself, um, I, I haven't been in that exact situation, but I've noticed that um, you know, if I do stay you know, by myself, um, you know, and, and not in a fellowship for an extended period of time, you know, my spiritual life really suffers. Thank you. Any other comments? Brother Jeff. Find another school. <laughs> uh, during uh, After World War II, you know, I've been doing interviews with some older brothers. Uh, the boys that were in the Army that become associated with other churches and denominations had very, very serious trouble. Thank you. Uh, we'll have one more comment on this exercise, then we have one more short one, and then we'll uh, it? wrap it up. Uh, Brother uh, Aurel? I don't know if the other exercise goes to the other uh, side of this, but also something that we as a congregation need to consider is, you know, I mean, having the attitude of they, um, they shouldn't have gone there uh, maybe they shouldn't have, but still to somehow support them and send, I know our CF, uh, CFG, Winkler-Flake, would send cookies or, or cards or something and to not forget the person, that particular person who's in that remote city because maybe they were in error in going, but we need not say, well, they were in error in going and look what happened to them. We still need to support them and bring them back and correct them. But if they are not in error in going, then God will bless the work somehow somehow, but we still have the responsibility of supporting a brother or sister who's out there, whether they should be or not be. Very good point. Uh, mind you, I believe the answers to these questions are guidelines. If you can do it, if, if for some reason it's impossible, you know, we leave, some, we leave a, a lot of room for the Holy Spirit uh, to, to, to speak to somebody, but these are guidelines, and if it's possible, try to find a church where, where your school, or school where your church is. Um, next question you have a a Catholic friend at work who would like to more hear about your faith Uh, should you invite him to your home I see a lot of heads nodding and I say that because some people have been confused they thought well he's Catholic I can't invite him to my home to talk about the Bible there's absolutely nothing wrong with inviting someone to your home to share the gospel okay brother Not, they're not necessarily. It's not a mutual discussion. They want to hear, and you want to you want to inform them about right. it. But sometimes right. it, sometimes it can be difficult if that person comes. They just want to argue with you. But you find I out think, the hard way. And yes. that sentence really clearly states that that person is really interested in hearing yes. what you have to say. That's excellent point, uh, Brother Paul. I, I think this is a, a much more important point, and it looks. On first glance, uh, we hear a lot of people abusing the scripture about casting your pearls before, before swine, and the, Christ made that clear that that was you made that determination after you made the presentation and they rejected it, then you shake the dust off your feet, not before and If you look at our numbers and the number of children we 're having and all that, if we don 't evangelize from outside, everybody in this room knows which direction we 're going so we need to um, think this through and, you know, dust ourselves off and get out and get to work. Thank you. Brother Andre had question or uh, comments. If they want to hear about the gospel, you go to their house. Don't even wait until they come to your Good home. Point. Share the gospel. Good point. Otherwise, there would not be a war in church. Thank the Lord for that. Thank you. Okay. Uh, I think it's 5 after 11. We're going to try to honour. We had some more scenarios, but it's going to take a lot of time. Let's just go to the conclusion. Can you just fast forward a few? Okay. We must conclude that those seeking greater or greener pastures will most likely lose far more than they expect to gain. Time and again, people seeking a higher plane have not expected what they wanted. The expected gain in... In, in the real world in the risk analysis is probability times consequences the the consequences that you're trying to find and the probability of the of the of the experience that you're trying to find multiplied by the probability that you're going to find it out there based upon what we've seen is small number th- uh, 4 our loss is much greater by uh, than our gain by compromising truth number 5 love each other and be committed to each other as a church, and we should seek truth over experience and speak it in love. In this way, we can foster uh, and, and raise a healthy church to be ready for the coming of Christ. I thank you for your participation.